0: This is the Poetry Foundation's Essential American Poets podcast. Essential American Poets is an online audio poetry collection. The poets in the collection were selected in 2006 by Donald Hall when he was Poet Laureate. Recordings of the poets he selected are available online at poetryfoundation.org and poetryarchive.org. In this edition of the podcast, we'll hear poems by Mark Strand. Mark Strand was born in Canada, on Prince Edward Island, in 1934. His father was a salesman who frequently relocated for work, so Strand grew up in cities around the United States. He had an early interest in becoming a painter, but by age 20, his focus shifted to poetry instead. Following his graduation from Yale, Strand went to Florence on a Fulbright scholarship and studied 19th-century Italian poetry. I was never much good with language as a child, he admitted in an interview for the Los Angeles Times magazine. Believe me, the idea that I would someday become a poet would have come as a complete shock to everyone in my family. The stylistic hallmarks of Strand's poetry are precise language and surreal imagery, and he often writes on the themes of absence and negation. His first book, Sleeping with One Eye Open, came out in 1964 and established the poet's preoccupation with presence and absence. In the widely anthologized poem, Keeping Things Whole, Strand begins, In a field, I am the absence of field. This is always the case. Wherever I am, I am what is missing. Strand published regularly for the next 15 years, but after the release of his selected poems in 1980, he stopped writing poetry for nearly a decade. Strand turned to other forms of writing during this period, including several books of art criticism and a foray into children's literature. Strand's most recent collection of new poems, Man and Camel, contains more playful, witty moments than his previous books, though, as critic Dave Lucas points out, its tension between what is present and what cannot be touched, continues to be the most consistent theme in Strand's work. Strand was named Poet Laureate of the United States in 1990, and in 1998 he won the Pulitzer Prize. Numerous prestigious fellowships have studded his career. He currently lives in New York and teaches at Columbia University. Orpheus Alone, The End, and The Idea were recorded in New York City in 2008.
1: The myth of Orpheus is the myth of poetic creation, and this poem is my version of Orpheus. I think the poem as a whole is about shaping loss, giving loss a contour or a form that makes the actual experience of loss bearable. Orpheus alone It was an adventure much could be made of, a walk on the shores of the darkest known river, among the hooded shoving crowds by steaming rocks and rows of ruined huts half buried in the muck, then to the great court with its marble yard, whose emptiness gave him the creeps, and to sit there in the sunken silence of the place and speak of what he had lost, what he still possessed of his loss, and then, pulling out all the stops, describing her eyes, her forehead where the golden light of evening spread, the curve of her neck, the slope of her shoulders, everything down to her thighs and calves, letting the words come as if lifted from sleep to drift upstream against the water's will where all the condemned and pointless labor, stunned by his voice's cadence, would come to a halt, and even the crazed, disheveled furies for the first time would weep, and the soot-filled air would clear just enough for her, the lost bride, to step through the image of herself and be seen in the light. As everyone knows, this was the first great poem, which was followed by days of sitting around in the houses of friends with his head back, his eyes closed, trying to will her return, but finding only himself again and again trapped in the chill of his loss, and finally, without a word, taking off to wander the hills outside of town where he stayed until he had shaken the image of love, and put in its place the world as he wished it would be, urging its shape and measure into speech of such newness that the world was swayed, and trees suddenly appeared in the bare place where he spoke, and lifted their limbs and swept the tender grass with the gowns of their shade, and stones, weightless for once, came and set themselves there, and small animals lay in the miraculous fields of grain and aisles of corn and slept. The voice of light had come forth from the body of fire, and each thing rose from its depths and shone as it never had. And that was the second great poem, which no one recalls anymore. The third and greatest came into the world as the world, out of the unsayable, invisible source of all longing to be. It came as things come that will perish, to be seen or heard a while, like the coating of frost or the movement of wind, and then no more. It came in the middle of sleep, like a door to the infinite, and circled by flame came again at the moment of waking, and sometimes remote and small, it came as a vision with trees by a weaving stream." Brushing the bank with their violet shade, With somebody's limbs scattered Among the matted mildewed leaves nearby, With his severed head rolling under the waves, Breaking the shifting columns of light Into a swirl of slivers and flecks, It came in a language untouched by pity, In lines lavish and dark, Where death is reborn and sent into the world as a gift, So the future with no voice of its own, nor hope of ever becoming more than it will be, might mourn. The End Not everyone knows what he shall sing at the end, watching the pier as the ship sails away, or what it will seem like when he's held by the sea's roar motionless there at the end. Or what he shall hope for once it is clear that he'll never go back. When the time is past to prune the rose or caress the cat, when the sunset torching the lawn and the full moon icing it down no longer appear, not everyone knows what he'll discover instead. When the weight of the past leans against nothing and the sky is no more than remembered light, and the stories of Cirrus and Cumulus come to a close, and all the birds are suspended in flight. Not everyone knows what is waiting for him, or what he shall sing when the ship he is on slips into darkness there at the end. The Idea For Us Too There was a wish to possess something beyond the world we knew, beyond ourselves, beyond our power to imagine, something nevertheless in which we might see ourselves. And this desire came always in passing, in waning light, and in such cold that ice on the valley's lakes cracked and rolled, And blowing snow covered what earth we saw, And scenes from the past, when they surfaced again, Looked not as they had, but ghostly and white, Among false curves and hidden erasures. And never once did we feel we were close Until the night wind said, Why do this, especially now? Go back to the place you belong." and there appeared, with its windows glowing, small, in the distance, in the frozen reaches, a cabin, and we stood before it, amazed at its being there, and would have gone forward and opened the door, and stepped into the glow, and warmed ourselves there, but that it was ours by not being ours, and should remain empty. That was the idea."
0: That was Mark Strand, recorded in New York City in 2008 and used by permission of the author and Alfred A. Knopf. You have been listening to the Essential American Poets podcast, produced by the Poetry Foundation, in collaboration with PoetryArchive.org. To learn more about Mark Strand and other essential American poets, and to hear more poetry, go to PoetryFoundation.org.